Hello and welcome to the Big Lead Big Stream Holiday Podtacular. This is the third episode in our series uh, of discussing Christmas movies. My name is Stephen Douglas from BigLead.com with Kyle Coster from TheBigLead.com. Today we are discussing Office Christmas Party. And Kyle, this is our first actual uh, Christmas movie, I think. To be clear, it's not a Christmas movie. It's a non-denominational celebration of the holiday spirit. Uh, HR told me I needed to say that. Yes. And while it is a Christmas movie, it was kind of more of a uh, party movie, but definitely a Christmas movie for a change, uh, which is good for our uh, our purposes here. It's got a very big cast uh like pretty much everyone in this movie was notable uh right down to the cameo uh the intersection of sports and pop culture from former chicago bulls jimmy butler uh were you did you remember you had seen this movie previously as i had did you remember jimmy buckets Maybe vaguely, but here's what I'll say about that. Since the time this movie was released, which was 2016, Butler's star has ascended. They even feel like it's necessary to explain who he is uh, in the plot-driven portion when he's introduced as a friend, uh, a colleague, someone who does PR for the Bulls. He is fresh-faced. He is not trolling people. His hair was normal. Uh, he wasn't all that funny. He didn't seem that comfortable. But in the six years that have transpired since this movie came out, he's ascended himself to being the best player on a team that made the NBA finals. He has exploded with his brand diversification. That's a laugh line in it when he tr- talks about trying to expand his empire. He never lands on Big Face Coffee. It was nice to see him. I will say, I really enjoyed this movie it was fun it was everything that you would want out of something mindless but it may struggle for having too many people in it butler is thrown into the mix but i think it's just necessary to run through the cast really quick i think i'm going to get to about 15 names that we recognize and they all maybe don't shine the way that they were supposed to because you know, there's some inequitable ball possession in PER. If this were a ringer podcast, I would say Jason Bateman, Olivia Munn, TJ Miller, Jennifer Aniston, Kate McKinnon, Courtney B. Vance, Jillian Bell, Rob Codry, Vanessa Byer, Randall Park, Sam Richardson, Jamie Chung is kind of a throwaway character. Matt Walsh, Ben Falcone. That is 15 people right there. They were all funny. But I think that this would have been improved if maybe if we cut it down by about a third. Yeah. Did you even did you uh, mention Andrew Leeds, who we just saw in the patient? I did not. And that was the biggest shock. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's that guy. And I'll give you another one. Uh, his buddy in, throughout the movie was uh, Oliver Cooper, a name I don't recognize, but a face I kind of did because he is from another party movie, Project X. He was Costa. So this is just a wild party movie. And yeah, they there were far too many people to uh to get their proper uh opportunity to shine. Like Randall Parks in there. It was uh I think this is right around the beginning of Fresh Off the Boat, maybe uh just before. But I mean he didn't really have anything to do except for uh have a 
have a uh, baby fetish. And I don't know, it was, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the rewatch because I watched it probably when it first came out um, and didn't really have any super fond memories of it. But I was, uh, I was entertained throughout. It wasn't, it wasn't the funniest movie, but it was definitely entertaining and a fun party movie. Uh, but I think it was about three quarters of the way through the movie where I actually just had to stop and uh, message you to remember the line when Kate McKinnon goes, it's a Kia. It's what God would drive. And just the way McKinnon says it, it's probably, it was absolutely hilarious. And she, you know, she was de- basically a Saturday Night Live character, just like the the stuffy uh, office worker who got to let loose. But yeah, pretty much everybody had a chance and they they did a good job. Not everybody got to be funny, but very enjoyable. Yeah, it is a party movie more than it's a Christmas movie. The plot is not entirely important. Basically, Jason Bateman and TJ Miller work at a company. Jennifer Aniston is on the outskirts. It's essentially they have one night to save everything and make everything right. So there's elements of Christmas vacation in there about getting the bonuses. There's Project X, like you mentioned. But then there's also the horrible bossness to it with Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston, where Jennifer Aniston is largely playing kind of the same type figure, uh, a, a stick in the mud, someone who's going to make it difficult. She's good in those roles. I really like her when she is not trying to be likable. Obviously, you know, most known for friends and being the adorable and lovable Rachel Green. But when she shows like her acidic side, I think that that works really well. Jason Bateman, it's hard. It was really hard for me to buy the romance between he and Olivia Munn. And I think part of that is because of Ozark. I think that Bateman for so many years was kind of like the comedy guy, Arrested Development, all that. But Ozark painted him with such a diabolical edge. Uh, and he's so small in that role where he kind of lets everybody bounce off him when he's trying to kind of be like the good everyday guy, drive the comedy as well. I'm not so sure how successful that was. TJ Miller was hilarious. And we should say a lot of laughs. Like I laughed a lot at this and there's a, it's good writing. They try to maximize the jokes. Uh, some of the conceits are really funny just from a, a basic element, like Sam Richardson saying that he can get a DJ and then playing the DJ. That was awesome. Jillian Bell as the pimp who was amazing. Like that is just such a great, role that you would see it kind of reminded me of like an always sunny bit there's a lot to like in this and there's a lot of laughs it's certainly not a classic but if you want to put something on that is going to allow you to turn your mind off and just kind of enjoy it uh, and get prepped for your own holiday parties this is the perfect elixir yeah uh the ensemble part where bateman is basically michael bluth he's just the He's the mainly the straight guy, except for when uh, he and Olivia Munn get into the, their large uh, the snowman suits to do a semi choreographed dance, which is a weird thing. Like they're like, oh, let's do that thing from last year's Christmas party. Like you would think 
that that was something off the uh, off the cuff, but it was just that was obviously planned. Um, I don't, I can't imagine what kind of Christmas party you you've had in the past where that was acceptable or normal. Uh, but I, I've just, I've got, I've got it on the on in the background right now, and I'm watching Jason uh, Bateman do the uh, eggnog luge. Just just a lot of uh, over-the-top wild party stuff. And I don't even know if they mention it, but they have the chair from Game of Thrones in here. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. And that's good and that's bad. Like, more opportunities that's to fair. laugh. But it was clear that they wrote a bunch of ideas on the board and just decided at one point, well, let's do all of them. You know, it can't, it can't hurt. Maybe some editing would have been a good idea at some point but i think that maybe correctly they realized that the stakes of this movie were such that they were pretty non-existent and if you didn't like one joke there was going to be a next one around the corner the human interactions were weird um i think with tj miller we have to discuss it tj miller who's canceled now uh unbelievably funny the best part of silicon valley plays the lovable goofball in this and you have to be rooting for him and he plays it well, but I think some of that real world baggage that he carries makes for an interesting experience. Yeah. It's crazy how much has kind of changed since uh, when this movie came out, it was right around uh, when Courtney B Vance was uh, Johnny Cochran in the uh, OJ series. Um, and TJ Miller, I mean, this is, 2016 was probably his peak. Uh, he was a couple of years into Silicon Valley and he's headlining a movie with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Olivia Munn and Jason Bateman. And then, I mean, I, I was a very big fan of him. This was back from the era when uh, he was a regular guest on like lots of podcasts like uh, Doug Loves Movies. I was very big into Doug Loves Movies at the time. And then now he's canceled and he's just gone. And it's one of those things where, you know, and oh, and it was uh, the same year as Deadpool came out. So, you know, uh, that's a that's a rough fall for uh, TJ Miller from where he was at the time. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame, too, because he's not overmatched at all. Like he's not we don't he's have hilarious. we didn't have the cultural capital with him, really, even though. Uh, those of us who love podcasts and love kind of like off the wall comedy really appreciated him. I think that America, when they saw him in a movie, were like, oh, yeah, this guy, like he's funny. Um, it's like he was kind of like on the Zach Galifianakis trajectory in a way and never reached there. Um, I want to talk about and this is going to be out. what what do you want to talk about? This is going to be complicated uh, to bring up. But what is Vanessa Bayer doing in this movie? Like, do you, like, do you just want to just want to tick through some of the things that happened to her? Well, uh, let's see what happened. She she had she is on the phone with her ex about the kids. Uh, that's a problem. I don't. Uh, she starts to hook up with Randall Park, uh, who turns out to want to be a baby, and then he ends up. She ends up with uh, Nate, the nerdy guy who brought the prostitute to the party what else did she do i mean that's about it but i'm just saying like that's a full night like she was juggling a lot of stuff um it's weird uh the the prostitute angle too um i want to say that it seems far-fetched 
and made up and implausible, but it's not because I want to relay a personal story here. (laughs) One time I attended a wedding, my lovely wife, and everything was going fine. And we were out on the dance floor and happened to notice that one guest of the male persuasion had a partner that seemed to be extremely out of his league, who was dressed quite scantily, who was being very suggestive on the dance floor. A reconnaissance mission proved that nobody had ever heard or seen this woman before. And it was revealed at breakfast the next morning that it was, in fact, an high, a high-priced escort. So if you're thinking this is not a believable movie, no, this can happen. And I got to say, I don't know if any extracurricular hand jobs were handed <laughs> out in the bathroom for 40 bucks, but this was pretty much the experience. Well, that's that's pretty I <clears throat> my only problem is the uh that's kind of like a trope where the guy the nerdy guy is like lying about having a girlfriend like it's I mean it's 2016 I, who, who made the comment about being 2016 and then being a powerful woman in the movie I don't know I, one of them one of them did was like it's too I'm a, I'm a woman in 2016 I can do this uh, it's 2016. You, I, I think by then you should have been allowed to uh, just be single, and not need to uh, win the win the approval of the dude dude bros at the office by uh, having a girlfriend. But you know, Nate had been saving up his money for that apparently. So good for him. Key question here: Did you understand the plot? Because I'm not so sure that I really did, and I'm not really sure that it mattered. Uh, it, it definitely did not matter. Uh, it was kind of of a MacGuffin. Uh, you know, they're they're apparently a, a company that makes servers, uh, and then their big product breakthrough was uh, improving the wireless internet through different electrical outlets. So, okay, but they it, it's a small company started by T.J. Miller and Jeff Aniston's uh, dad. But they also have multiple huge offices, including this one with like three, 240 employees in the middle of Chicago. Um, so not exactly mom and pop shop, uh, but she just she closed the Orlando branch in the morning and the New York or the Chicago branch didn't hear about it by the time she flew there, which is a, a little surprising, I think. And then it was unclear if she was going to uh, Heathrow for some reason. I don't know if that was just just to celebrate the holidays alone in Europe or because there was another branch that needed closing. But it, it was just like, yeah, the profits are down in Q4, so we need to land the big account or we're closing the branch. Okay, so one big account is is going to save everything. It, it kind of felt million dollars. You know, this yeah, it felt like an episode of The Office, right? Where it's like a guest is coming in and they want to show them a good time, and you have the stickler like Angela, who's like, "Oh, we can't do that," and we have a bunch of wild cards thrown in there. Uh, pretty interesting Chicago movie. I love Chicago. Uh, I love films that are set there. It happens downtown uh, in Thompson Plaza. Great shot of Calder. Um, artwork at the very beginning, good use of the city. The office was cool. I will say that like the geography of what was going on 
really, really worked. Like we've seen this in a lot of times before. I think, you know, there's like a succession scene where someone's standing out and looking over. It's kind of it's an office that feels like a we work where, you know, there's like one big atrium that everybody gathers. Uh, it was a very like progressive kind of like Silicon Valley techie type space. But it really afforded the opportunity for like a lot of cool things to happen, but also feel connected, right? Because the music was at the top. You weren't like when there was a scene that was like in a conference room, it felt close to the action. You understood where you were um, the entire time. The parking garage stuff, like they throw a funny Uber driver in there as they're moving around the city. Like through that lens, I actually thought it was a really effective way to tell the story and use what you had um if i don't know how much this this movie cost to make but it kind of seems like they were really smart in the choices they made in in making it and not spending a lot where they didn't need to yeah that that uber driver was a uh, fortune femster who is another person that you recognize <laughs> Uh, just another another person from like the podcast world just jammed in there. Uh, yeah, the the office was pretty awesome. Uh, it must have cost a very pretty penny to uh, have that at least two two floors in that one office in the middle of Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was a fun office to work in where it seems like there are only like three tech guys at this uh, server company. <laughs> You know, and Olivia Munn's the only one that apparently did any work, and she had her her super special uh, office with the code on it. And Jason Bateman's her boss, but so you would think he would have more expertise, but he just he talks very uh, generically about the products and things, and just tells her things that they can't do. Uh, do you want to talk about Olivia Munn, who coming off of uh, what, what was the HBO show, the newsroom? The newsroom, yes. Uh, Olivia Munn coming off the newsroom and just being the uh, super smart, pretty girl again. Well, I'm going to devote at least 15 minutes to thinking about Olivia Munn, even on a day when I'm not doing a podcast where it's relevant. So I will gladly jump at the opportunity. This is the role she was born to play. And I was trying to think why it seems so familiar but when Olivia Munn kind of rose to prominence before the newsroom, before she was a mainstream character in our movie world, she would be on these TV shows. I forget what it was called. Um, it was like these gaming TV shows. And she was seen as like the cool girl, right, who could hang out with the boys. And this is exactly what she's doing in this movie. She's really effective at doing it. Like you can tell that she's a good hang. Um, it's playing off of her personality. It was playing off kind of the capital that she built, uh, the story she'd been telling. Great point about no one seeming to understand what she did because it was kind of like they took great lengths to being like, she's the only person who understands how any of this works. Um, Bateman didn't show any acumen. TJ Miller didn't show any acumen. It's really interesting to me that they could not be in a situation where they were closing down more branches considering that nobody seemed to have a firm grasp on what was going on i know that they presented that she was doing like complicated programmatic things <laughs> and yet they kind of were like derisive and dismissive of her and being like nerd what are you doing so it, it opens the question like what everybody else at this company 
is up to when when they log on. I guess it's um, I mean, I guess it's developing complicated interpersonal relationships with each other. Yeah. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, the uh, one cu- couple that worked there, just the uh, husband that worked there, and brought his wife and his child, and they have this daycare where uh, Vanessa Bear and Randall Park go. But Jason Bateman's like, yeah, take the kid to my office. How about how about using the daycare that you've got? Uh, maybe that would be a better place for the child to hang out. Uh, but yeah, Olivia Munn definitely had the, uh, I'm pretty, but I like Star Wars, so I'm accessible, which was, yeah, a lot of her uh, rise to prominence. And I mean, she's she's very good. But yeah, that's definitely what they what uh they banked on in this movie as she was the only tech person at the tech company. It's probably best that we that we don't think too much about it. But yeah, it is very funny that they had to rush around to <laughs> when they get back to the party in the morning to do the last minute reconnaissance and put together the workstation and get the internet going for the entire city of Chicago. And I, I'm not sure how that works, but you know that's that's tech. I, I'm not of that world. Only only the Olivia Munns of the world understand that. What do you think the next few days are like after this party? Because yes, technically the company is saved, and this calls for some champagne. But I think that there's going to be a post mortem. I know that Kate McKinnon learned to have fun and relax the reins a little bit, but I think that there the amount of paperwork that's going to be generated from the fiasco that was this party uh, was outlandish. By the way, the ice lose. Where do you get something like that? I, I mean, they exist. We see them on TV uh, all the time. Uh, there must be ice sculptors in every major city. I, I, it can't be that hard in Chicago. I mean, the the guy who ran the uh, the knockoff binnies must have uh, known, known the ice luge guy. When TJ Miller went over with the truck, it's like, how much booze can you legally sell me? The uh, the water cooler set up with the three different liquors was a, a good sight gag, too. Okay. Would you have wanted to be at this party? Open bar. So I, I'd, I'd say yes. I probably would have left early. I would not. I I like to think I would not have been there uh, when it was time to uh, clean up and create the new servers. But I don't know. Uh, I was not. I was not in my early twenties in the city of Chicago. Uh, I was in Albany, so I don't. I don't know how Chicago people work. Would Would you have been there? I would have been there up until the point where Courtney B. Vance, after taking a oscillating fan full of cocaine to the nose, decided to repel like Tarzan swing like Tarzan across and hit his head uh what looked like a horrific potentially fatal fall yeah I think that was like my favorite part of the movie because the fall was so good like there's a lot of ways to do it there's a lot of ways that it could be played for comedy but he goes right down he bangs his head there's a good amount of blood yeah I think that probably would have killed the vibe just a little bit yeah that was very funny um I that doesn't seem like it would be the most effective way to administer cocaine through a uh, basically a shotgun blast to the face. I don't know how how much you would actually uh, consume in that case, but he apparently got quite a bit because he was 
he was swinging from the chandeliers not long after. I got a question here too. Um, I never saw the night before, which I think is the Seth Rogen one. Yeah. Um, is it really similar? No, not at all. Uh, the night before is uh, that's an enjoyable one as well. Uh, that's more about three three friends on a journey to a party. Uh, that's that's really more about the journey than the destination. About uh, it's. It's also a movie mostly about friendship, you know. It's uh, got that Seth Rogen heart to it, so very different movie. But you know, I, I guess you, the way it's the way it's uh, presented is a, a Christmas party movie, but it's it's nothing like this. This is much closer to Project X than the night before. Where did we land on the scale of not enough nudity, too much nudity? Because it seemed like kind of inequitable. I thought about an hour through, I was like, you know, we're not seeing any of it here. We're not seeing the hookups. We're not seeing any type of gratuitous shots. And then it kind of, they throw some in there with like a photocopier scene, um, a a bathroom orgy. It was like, they couldn't decide how aggressive they wanted to be. It wasn't like project X style, but it also wasn't like totally off the table. It feels like to me that they landed at sort of an odd compromise there. Yeah, um, the the 3D printer of the dick was uh, very funny, also very of the time, you know, 2016 when 3D printers were everywhere. Uh, also, I think it was Rob Corddry's family had done the uh, Christmas photo where they all dressed up as One Direction. So if they remade Office Christmas Party this year and it came out, it would be, uh, well, Jimmy Butler would be back. It would be set in Miami. And there would be a lot of crypto jokes. They should do it. I mean, this is not a movie that is saying big things about the world. You could shuffle in any amount of funny people in there and it would work. You could change the plot just enough that it stayed fresh. It's kind of shocking to me that one of these isn't made every year because I'm dumb and America's dumb. I'll check it out. Like it was great. All right, so now is about the time where I think we should talk about the ratings of the movie on the 12 Days of Christmas scale. Uh, our last one, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse, was not very Christmassy, Christmassy, we decided. So Office Christmas Party, how are you feeling on the Christmas scale? On the Christmas scale, I think this one is a solid eight and a half out of 12. Look, they lay it on really thick, like I said at the beginning. The whole thing revolves around the party. But there is not that general sense of Christmas cheer. This is more about having a party. This could have been a Cinco de Mayo fiesta and played just as well. Um, Even the love stuff, like a lot of times when you get the relationship things, it's based on, oh, tis the season, I should find someone to be with that's really important this was more like transactional and even with like jason bateman and olivia munn they had a history Uh, i don't the timeline on that was a bit confusing too uh didn't make a lot of sense he turned down olivia munn ah big mistake bro (laughs) Uh, but i think eight and a half out of 12 is a fair score if i was going to give it a rating for an actual movie out of four stars this is a solid quintessential Smack dab in the middle, three out of four comedy movie for me. You know, I think both those numbers are very, very uh, 
accurate and proper and correct. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not the funniest movie, but it's is entertaining throughout. Uh, there's the kind of needless plot, but also it works as office Christmas party because that is the office party of the year. Um, it, it doesn't make as much sense to have a Cinco de Mayo uh, office party. So as far as that goes, yes, the office, the Christmas part is very important to office Christmas party, obviously. Uh, as a Christmas movie, yeah, it lacks that, uh, that cheer, but it has, it has many things that are very integral and important for a good Christmas movie. Um, this is a list I'm, I'm working on still, but it has shopping at the beginning, shopping for presents. It has decorating, very, very important. It has family, not, you know, not like big family, but it, there is a family element. Uh, it has, it kind of has people finding love, but not really. There's gift giving. There's a character, character in a Santa suit and bonus points for being a main character. And you have Christmas music in the background, which is very important for the setting. And it doesn't really have the big family sit-down dinner, but it does have a large gathering. And family gathering is a very important part of a Christmas film. So it's got a lot of the important elements that you need in a Christmas movie. So as far as that Christmas movie, I'd, I'd say it's a 9 out of 12 days. And then probably a two and a half out of four stars for an actual movie. Uh, is there anything else that stands out to you that you need in a Christmas movie? Well, snow. There wasn't enough snow in this movie. Uh, it's in Chicago. They do get trapped on the roof uh, and it's cold. But I need to see that snow falling down. That's so essential, especially if you're going to be in a cold weather area, even if it's sort of for establishing shots. Uh, interesting, too, because like I said, the elements of Christmas vacation that were present in it, there is a downtown Chicago scene in that one. And that yep. seems to work well because that is, uh, you know, like that establishing shot is really good. It's like if they had just gotten a snow machine uh, going or done it at a time where there was actual snow, I think that it would have got a higher score for me. Well, yeah, I mean, they had, there was some snow outside, I think, and obviously the snow grounded Jennifer Aniston's plane so that she would be forced to go back to the party. And, and also they had, they did have the snow, they literally had a snow machine, which uh, got, ended up being used for the uh, cocaine. So there, there was a little snow, but no, it's not like when you, when you think of snow in a Christmas movie, you think of like characters walking through like. A, a snowy neighborhood or there was no snowball fight there was the snowmen were just costumes there's there's no there was no real use of actual snow special shout out to kate mckinnon for the uh the line about god driving a kia and also real quick since i don't know when else we will ever have a chance to discuss it uh real world san diego was when we were in college my roommates and i watched it we love that season and to have Jamie Chung still show up in our lives uh, every now and then is a delight every single time. I'm like, Oh, it's Jamie from the real world. And we watched, we, I enjoyed that season so much one time that uh, 
one of my roommates came home and he walks in the door and goes, where is everybody? And I started going through the list of uh, people on the real world San Diego going, well, he's here. He's in jail. Uh, Brad's in jail. And, uh, and they're like, no, our actual roommates, where are they? Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. But yeah, fun. Always fun to see Jimmy Chung. I may or may not have a picture of myself with Randy. Jamie Chung, you're never upset to see her. I only wish that Brian Greenberg was in this. Yes, I, I love that entire cast. So that is that should wrap up everything that could be possibly discussed about Office Christmas Party. Uh, we will be back, I think, on Friday with the new Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie on Netflix. So check that out. And as always, listen to all the Big League podcasts and read thebigleague.com. And subscribe to our uh, our double checkmarked uh, Twitter feed. That's how you know we're official. <laughs> so for Cal Coster, I'm Stephen Douglas. Thank you for listening, and God bless you for making it this far. 